The thought of a single night of uninterrupted sleep is a dream for people with obstructive sleep apnea, many of which find relief from a CPAP. And while CPAP is the most common treatment on the market today, it requires patients to get comfortable with wearing a mask to bed and pack it around with them for travel. Since 2014, Ogden Clinic ENT Dr. Doug Anderson has been instrumental in using the revolutionary technology called Inspire, a device that uses technology like a pacemaker to treat sleep apnea. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. I'm Parker Shaw, and with the help of my team and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Hey everybody, I'm Tim Cook with the Ogden Clinic marketing team. I'm here with Dr. Doug Anderson, an ENT specialist here at Ogden Clinic. We're going to talk about sleep apnea and an exciting new treatment uh, that Ogden Clinic offers. Dr. Anderson, thanks for being with us today. You bet. Glad Um, to be here. Dr. Anderson, how long have you been practicing at Ogden Clinic? So I've been in practice, private practice, for 25 years, but I've been at the Ogden Clinic for the last eight years. But I've been in Ogden 25 years. 25 years. Let's talk about just sleep apnea in general. Can, can you tell us what sleep apnea is? Yeah, so that's a great question. Sleep apnea is when a person during sleep struggles to get appropriate amounts of air down into his lungs. And most of the time it's due to obstruction, whether it be through obesity, which most often is associated with that, or some sort of narrowing due to large tonsils or a crooked septum, or perhaps their tissues are just floppy and so they fall back in as someone is relaxed and sleeping and obstruct the normal flow of air uh, and prevent it from getting down into the lungs. And by definition, uh, sleep apnea occurs when there is a cessation or decrease in airflow for at least 10 seconds. And so someone stops breathing, it's like they're holding their breath for at least 10 seconds and often it is associated with a drop in uh, their oxygen level when they're sleeping. So there's obstructive sleep apnea, there's also central sleep apnea as well. What's the difference there? So that's a great question. Central sleep apnea is when the brain, you know, when we're sleeping, we don't have to think about it. I need to take a breath. Your body just automatically does it. Some people that have central sleep apnea, whether it has become of some, because of some neurologic problem or congestive heart failure, uh, their brain just doesn't tell them, doesn't tell them to take a breath. And so they, they just never make an effort to breathe. Whereas obstructive sleep apnea, the person is actually trying to take a breath, their chest is moving, but just no air is moving through the airway because of a blockage. Okay. So that's the difference. So obstructive is more common? Obstructive is more common, yeah. Okay, okay so what are the, the signs of sleep apnea? I mean, h- how would someone know to yeah. speak to their physician? Yeah. So probably some of the signs is, first of all, a, someone, a bed partner or family member or someone who's sleeping in the next bedroom can hear them. And so they're loud snoring, there's pausing, and then all of a sudden there's a gasp of air as they sort of wake up to a lighter stage of sleep to take a breath because their oxygen level drops too low. But some of the other uh, signs or symptoms of sleep apnea are fatigue. They have daytime sleepiness. Some people, there's quizzes out there, questionnaires that are available on the internet that people can take that'll tell them how sleepy they are, but some people fall asleep really easily, whether it be in a church meeting or a movie or while reading a book. Some people, even when they're talking to a friend, they'll, they'll fall asleep. And so, uh, so daytime sleepiness, 
Uh, also, it can affect concentration. Uh, memory can be affected. Uh, but there's many other things that can be happening when a person has sleep apnea. Eventually, people are more prone to have high blood pressure, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and depression, more common to get an upper respiratory infection. So there's a lot of uh, comorbidities or other types of uh, medical problems that can be occurring for someone who has uh, sleep apnea. Okay, thanks, Doc. How common is sleep apnea? So that's a great question, too. It is felt that in the last two decades, the, the number of people that have sleep apnea has increased significantly, and a lot of that has to do with weight gain in our society. Uh, but it is felt that now um, that there is about 26% of adults between age 30 and 70 have sleep apnea or roughly about 25 million Americans have sleep apnea. So there's a lot of people in our country, and maybe even more, have sleep apnea. So if it's so prevalent in our society, what are the costs on sort of a grand scale that would be associated with that? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, the president of the American Society of Sleep Medicine, Timothy Morgenthal, he said that, uh, that the costs are so staggering that the only way to control our medical costs for our country is to treat sleep apnea. But the costs are estimated to be between 67 and 165 billion dollars. And a lot of that is not just medical costs, some of it is lost production or uh, other things like that, or maybe traffic accidents from people getting in car accidents, but it's a significant expense uh, for people and for our country. Is it true that drowsy driving is as dangerous as drunk driving? Yes, definitely. It's quite quite dangerous that people that are sleepy can be as if they are intoxicated in some ways, and so that's a that's a big uh, big risk. In fact, studies have been done on residents, uh, medical uh, people at post call, and their ability to drive home safely, and and so definitely it it is a risky thing to drive while drowsy. So if you feel uh, if, well, if someone feels they might have sleep apnea, what should they do? So if you have sleep apnea, then I think you need to, you need to go be evaluated. And it's important that, you, that you're seen by a specialist who knows how to diagnose and adequately treat sleep apnea. For example, an ear, nose, and throat physician who specializes in sleep medicine could treat you, or there are some pulmonary um, uh, physicians that treat and diagnose and treat sleep apnea, or even uh, neuro, uh, neurologists that also have a degree in, in sleep medicine. But so you want to make sure that you're seen and evaluated by uh, an appropriate specialist. Okay. What treatments are available then for sleep apnea? That's a great question. So the gold standard probably is to wear a CPAP mask uh, that covers either, either the nose or the nose and the mouth, and it blows pressurized air into the, the airway to keep it sort of propped open or stented open so it doesn't collapse when you're, when you're sleeping. So that's been the, that's, that's been the gold standard uh, for treatment. The other uh, treatment options would be upper airway surgeries to trim parts of the throat that may be large. For example, removal of tonsils or uh, partial removal of a portion of the tongue that may be enlarged. Or uh, restructuring of the, the bony framework of your jaw to make it larger. Some of those surgeries are quite effective. Some haven't had the best results and often can be quite uh, painful. So, it really depends on, on your anatomy and, and what the physician who is diagnosing it feels is the most likely cause of, of the obstruction. 
Okay. Other options could be also through your dentist uh, is oral appliances. There's lots of ads on the, on the radio uh, that talk about uh, places that will, instead of s uh, CPAP mask, they have patients wear a, a mouth guard that helps keep their jaw forward and, and, and thus keeps their airway open. So those are, those are probably the most common uh, treatments that are available right now. So those would work for, say, obstructive sleep apnea, but not necessarily for central sleep apnea? They would not work for central sleep apnea, no. Okay, uh -uh. okay but you offer a new sort of treatment uh, beyond the CPAP and... and you know. Yeah, so in 2014, uh, a company came out, uh, a company named Inspire, Spire, Inspire came out with what is called the hypoglossal nerve stimulator. And what it, it, it is the first FDA-approved and only FDA-approved device that is a sort of a neurostimulator device. It is implanted under the skin and it uh, senses, it can sense when you take a, a breath because there's a, a little sensor tip near your lungs. It can uh, then stimulate your tongue uh, simultaneously to contract the muscles in your throat so that they're stiffer and, and expands the airway. So your tongue will push forward, your airway opens up and it relieves the obstruction because most people with sleep apnea, the obstruction is really located behind the tongue and in the area of the palate. And so if you can improve those areas, you can help a lot of people. So what, what is that procedure like? Is it outpatient or how yeah. long does a person need to? So it's an outpatient surgery. It, on average, it takes about three hours. Um, people go home the same day. They, they may have some discomfort from the incisions. There's three incisions one in, in the upper chin area, one in the anterior chest, and one on the right side. And so they may have some uh, incisional discomfort or pain, but really it's pretty well tolerated. Uh, some of the other surgeries that I mentioned uh, can be quite painful, making it difficult to swallow, and, uh, and, and, and so there's, uh, there's a lot of misery associated with some of those other procedures that I mentioned. But this one's pretty well tolerated. After a week or so, people are, are doing pretty well. So. You've performed quite a number of these procedures. So we have, our office has performed uh, uh, more than 45 of these, and uh, we, we feel like because of that number, we've done probably more or as much as anyone in the state. And, and we feel like that because we've done so many, we've sort of ironed out a lot of uh, the wrinkles, so to speak, and we have it down pretty pat, and our results have been excellent. I think patients are very pleased with the results. And, and so that's exciting because before there was a large percentage of people that were, uh, that were out there that had tried CPAP, couldn't tolerate it, or that had had previous upper airway surgeries uh, that were painful and helped somewhat but didn't resolve their problems. And so they're looking for something else to be done. And, uh, and the success rate of this we, we know is about 79 to 80% success rate. The patient satisfaction is about 94% and, and uh, the decrease in snoring is significant. And so people, even the bed partners, are excited that uh, their spouse is being uh, more adequately treated. Yeah. Does the device ever need to be replaced? So that's a great question. So uh, it uses technology that's proven uh, in other uh, fields, such as uh, pacemakers and uh, nerve stimulators. And so it's proven technology, but it does have a battery that has about a 10 to 11 year uh, life, and so, but that can be easily changed with about a 30-minute procedure to, to remove the battery and put in a new one, uh, and, and then you're good to go, so. Okay. Um, and does this Inspire device treat both forms of sleep apnea? It does not treat central sleep apnea, so it's mainly, it's, it's 
obstructive, it treats obstructive sleep apnea, but not central sleep apnea. Central sleep apnea is usually treated by, if a person, for example, has heart disease or congestive heart failure, they need to have that more adequately treated. Or sometimes it's treated with uh, oxygen uh, or special uh, types of CPAP masks called an ASV or something similar to that, which helps deliver uh, breaths uh, uh, appropriately. So if the patient is not taking their own breath, the machine will take the breath for them. And so that central sleep apnea is treated differently. Okay. Is there any danger? I, I just hear the idea of someone um, potentially st stopping breathing at night. Is there, I, I don't know, that, that, that's alarming to me as a parent, yeah. if I were to have a yeah. child go through that, is, is there, yeah. I mean, could sleep apnea be lethal? So sleep apnea is not a benign disease. It can definitely uh, cause problems. But the, the good news is that most people with sleep apnea, your body can sense when your oxygen level is, is dropping and, and you'll, it'll sort of give yourself a boost of adrenaline to wake the person up. And, uh, the, uh, and so most people don't die when they stop breathing. They'll, they'll wake up and take a breath. The problem is, is over the long run, the side effect of having these recurrent, because some people stop breathing anywhere from 20, some people up to 100 times per hour of sleep for 10 seconds. And, and that repeated awakening, number one, causes exhaustion. Number two, more prone to these other issues like heart disease, high blood pressure, higher risk of stroke, arrhythmias. Uh, and so medically, in the long run, it can, it can be a lethal disease. So it's not so much the one time where you just stop breathing and don't wake up, because most people do wake up. It's just that that repeated uh, reawakening and, and, and the stimulation to wake you up is, is it can be harmful to your body. What does a person need to do to be officially diagnosed with sleep apnea? Sleep. They need a, a sleep test? Yeah, so that's a great question. So number one, if you're going to come to an appointment, it's, if you've had a sleep study, bring it with you to your appointment. Number two, it's always good to bring someone with you who is able to be an eyewitness, so to speak, to provide the history of what is happening when a person sleeps. And so that's all helpful. If, if a person has not had a recent sleep study, they will probably need a new one to, to diagnose because things can change a little bit with time. And so, uh, but there's in different types. There's home sleep studies. Uh, that are more basic and less expensive and more convenient. Uh, there's more uh, thorough sleep studies that are done in a sleep lab where you stay overnight in a sleep lab. And they just evaluate your, your heart function, your lung function, your body movements, uh, uh, and, and uh, your brain waves. And so uh, they're a little more in depth. Is there a certain demographic that's more prone to developing sleep apnea than others? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, we can see it, for example, in children and adults, but certainly obesity is a, is a big uh, cause uh, uh, associated with sleep apnea. But certainly there can be other things that make you prone to, to get uh, a sleep apnea. People that are on medications sometimes uh, can have sleep apnea. People that are smoking are more prone to have problems with the sleep apnea. So uh, allergies is another thing where you may be more prone to sleep apnea because of the congestion and swelling. So, so, so those are things that we look for. If you're smoking, try to stop smoking. If you have allergies, try to treat allergies. You know, if you were to lose 10%, even just 10% of your weight, you may significantly improve your sleep apnea. Some people even say there may be a 50% reduction just by a 10% weight loss. You could even uh, get a cure with if you lose enough weight. Um, so anyway, there's lots of things that could be done outside of a surgery to maybe help, help you have fewer problems. This Inspire implant sounds incredible. Is there anything else that I should have asked that I haven't asked yet that, that you'd like to add? 
No, I just think it's a, it's a new device. And so, uh, and, and the success rate has been amazing. So this is a device where, where it doesn't cure everyone, but it provides hope for those people that have tried everything else and, and they're not getting better. And the results have been really pretty, pretty amazing. So some people have gone from having a pretty moderate to severe sleep apnea to basically being cured. And so it offers some hope for some people. And I said it doesn't work for everyone. But uh, to find out if you're the right candidate, please, you can give our office a call. You can reach us through our internet site at uh, douglas.anderson at ogdenclinic.com or through our office, 801-475-3072. And the other good news is that most insurances cover it. And, uh, but, uh, to, you know, obviously co-pays apply, um, but, you're, but, you know, bring in your insurance card with you and we can help you know. Okay. Thank you, Dr. So, Anderson. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Appreciate it. To schedule an appointment with Dr. Anderson, please call 801-475-3072 or visit our website at augmentclinic.com. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers, or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcasts app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.